Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in, and I pray these are a blessing to you each and every day. Today we are in the book of Revelation. We are continuing in Revelation chapter 16. I want to conclude on the section that we covered yesterday, one more episode today that, that may end up spreading to a second episode. It depends on the timing because there is a good bit that I want you to understand about this. But before we move into concluding Revelation chapter 16, I'd like for us to uh, discuss this and for you to understand this. So by God's grace, we're going to look into this today. To do so, I'd like to just refresh our memory to Revelation chapter 16, and I want to read verses 12 through 16. Now the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. So today I want to talk about this final part of this section. We discussed this section in quite some detail in the last episode, but today I really want to focus on verses 14 and 16 primarily as we tackle the topic of Armageddon. This is the final battle that's being spoken of here. This is the sixth bowl judgment. There is one more bowl judgment that will come in association actually with the completion of the sixth bowl and the ushering in of the Lord's second coming. It will actually tie the two together. But this being the final battle in the chronology of the tribulation, it will end here when we connect it with Revelation chapter 19 at the second coming of Jesus. This is that battle. And so we'll talk more in detail about many of those things when we get to Revelation chapter 19. Know this, that there are still some wars and some battles that were prophesied in the Old Testament that are yet unfulfilled at the time of this recording. Some believe that Psalm 83 is one of those. Some believe that portions of Jeremiah 49, if not the whole chapter, is some of those. Isaiah chapter 17 definitely has not yet been fulfilled at the time of this recording, although it may be close, and there are several others. Now, we're unsure about when these will occur. We don't know. Some of these may occur before the rapture of the church, before the actual tribulation begins. Jesus had prophesied that there'd be wars and rumors of wars at all times. Those increasing, of course, and certain ones fit with the tribulation and the coming of the Lord. But some, we do not know exactly when they will occur, but they are on the horizon. Two or three of these unfulfilled battles that the Bible does tell us about, especially major ones, 
appear to be coming in the tribulation time. The judgment against Babylon in its entirety is one of those, and we will discuss that later on. The Gog and Magog War, Ezekiel 38 and 39, is another one of those. And then, of course, what we're looking at here, Armageddon may be a third battle. And after we discuss this more in the coming episodes as well as today, you may understand why I say that it may be a separate battle. It may not. And we'll look at that in a coming session. Now notice here that the scripture in Revelation chapter 16 says that they gather, key word, gather, at Armageddon, or Armageddo. This is near Megiddo and near the valley, I believe, of Jezreel. It is a very large valley location. It would certainly suit for gathering multitudes and multitudes of nations and leaders from those nations together to battle against the Lord. But note the key word is gather. Prior battle sites occurred in this same area. You can read about those in the book of Judges. Barak and Syria, when Deborah went with Barak and the Lord gave Syria into their hands and Jael hammered the tent peg through his temple, and God gave them the victory. Gideon and the Midianites was also a battle fought here. There is a, what I call, a misconception that I just want to point out here, and that is many people refer to this in Revelation 16 and this final battle that it speaks of as the battle of Armageddon. That's what it's typically referred to and known as. I call this a misconception because the scripture does not literally say that there will be a battle at Armageddon. The scripture here in Revelation 16 that we just read says that the nations will gather at Armageddon. Now, I'm making a strong point about that because it's not my goal here to be argumentative with anyone. We respect all opinions, but it is my goal with all of my studies to simply let Scripture interpret Scripture, and we take the Scripture for what it says. God says what He means and means what He says. He's not trying to confuse us. So we need to understand that Greek word does literally mean to gather, to convene, to join, join together. So it's talking about all of these nations, all of these leaders of nations and military armies, etc., convening together and perhaps even in some form of a coalition at Armageddon, the gathering site. Nowhere in Scripture are we told of a battle that's against the Lord being fought there, only that they gather there. So we do not need to be assuming things beyond what Scripture says. We need to let Scripture speak and let Scripture interpret Scripture. So what does the Scripture say? Well, first of all, let's look at what it says right here in Revelation chapter 16. 
In verse 14, it says that they are coming to battle against the Lord. Key point. This is the great battle of the great day of God Almighty. They are coming to literally battle against the Lord and against his city, his people. Verse 15, it's interesting. We talked a little bit about this. It almost seems like an interruption, but it's not. I believe it's speaking to us today, also to those people there, but there's also another element of that. He says, I'm coming as a thief. He is ready. In other words, he is coming. He is engaging in this battle and he is going to take the spoils. He is going to overcome. He is in control and at its perfect timing, it will happen. Now we're given some details about that in Daniel chapter 7 and in Daniel chapter 9. Although we do not know the exact day and hour and perfect timing of it because the tribulation has not started yet. But at the perfect time, he will come. He's not going to shy away from this battle. He's going to charge forward because he's the victor. It reminded me of when David and Goliath fought in the valley of Elah. And David was confident in the Lord. David ran to that battle. David didn't shy back. He wasn't cowered down because of this nine and a half foot tall giant standing in front of him because his confidence was in the Lord. He fought in the name of the Lord. This is the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And so we want to talk more about this and see what the scripture does tell us. We want to focus on what the scripture calls it, not on what we've known it to be. It is the battle of the great day of God Almighty, not the battle of Armageddon. I just believe that that's a misconception. I'm simply pointing that out. And we're going to see that in a moment. Now, there are prophecies of this great battle, several of them, and I want to read as many as we can and I'll reference the others for you. But there are several witnesses throughout Scripture that testify about prophetic words about the day that's coming when there will be this battle, this great day of the Lord, and it is the day of the Lord's vengeance. He is going to win. So first of all, let's look at Moses and what Moses has to say in Deuteronomy chapter 20. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, I want to preface this by just reading verses 1 through 4 as we begin to look at these other scriptures as well. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you're on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So I believe this is appropriate for us to remember in reference to this day, just like it was in reference to all of the other battles that God was with Israel to fight. I want us to turn next to Deuteronomy chapter 32. In chapter 32, I want to begin the reading in verse 34. Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense. 
Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone, and there is no one remaining bond or free, he will say, Where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge? who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering, let them rise and help them and be your refuge. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven and say as I live forever, if I whet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword will shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. So Moses came with Joshua the son of Nun and spoke all these all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. So here Moses is prophetically speaking forward about this day that's coming when God will have vengeance, he will defeat his enemies. Moses was one of the very first prophets that speak to us about this battle in this day. Then let's look at what David has to say in Psalm chapter 24. And I love Psalm 24 because this is speaking of the second coming of the Lord in this section here where it begins with lift up your heads, O you gates, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is now defeating his enemies at his second coming. And as soon as he is done with that, he is going to ascend his throne in Jerusalem. And those everlasting doors are going to fly open at the eastern gate for the Messiah to come forth and to ascend his throne and take possession of his kingdom. So this is speaking of that very day. And he is talking about how the Lord is strong and mighty. The Lord is mighty in battle. He has just defeated at this time when these gates are going to open up and he's going to ascend in there. He has just defeated these enemies in the area of Jerusalem. And we're going to see that further in just a moment. I want to also look at Psalm chapter 45. And I want to read verses 3 through 6. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one. With your glory and your majesty, and in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So the enemies of God are going to fall under Jesus, the king, as he comes and he defeats his enemies to enter and ascend his throne for his eternal, everlasting kingdom to begin. Then I want to look at Isaiah 
chapter 13. In Isaiah chapter 13, this particular one is a proclamation against Babylon. And Babylon is included in all of this. We're going to talk more about that in the next several episodes as we look at Revelation 17 and 18 and 19. But I want to begin the reading here and point something out that Isaiah prophetically speaks about in chapter 13. And I want to read verses 1 through 9. The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw, lift up a banner on the high mountain, raise your voice to them, wave your hand that they may enter the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, those who rejoice in my exultation. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like that of many people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts musters the army for battle. They come from a far country from the end of heaven. The Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. Wail for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore all hands will be limp. Every man's heart will melt and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Behold the day of the Lord comes. Cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. Isaiah is prophetically speaking forward about this as well. And these are coming times that the prophets have told us about. It is the day of the Lord. He is coming with vengeance, with fierce anger, to fulfill the wrath of Almighty God and to destroy his enemies. In Isaiah 27, I want to read verses 1 through 4, which is speaking of this time period as well. In that day, the Lord with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, that twisted serpent. This is speaking of the devil, the dragon in Revelation. And he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. In that day, sing to her, talking about Israel, A vineyard of red wine, I the Lord keep it. I water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. Isaiah is prophetically speaking about how the Lord will be victorious in the battle that he will fight. Then let's go to Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, almost to the end of the Old Testament. In Zechariah chapter 14, let's read beginning in verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azel. 
Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Isaiah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. It shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And then he goes on and he talks about the living waters that are going to be part of the millennial kingdom, the Messiah's kingdom, spoken about in Ezekiel chapter 47. So Zechariah prophesies about this final battle, talking about how they're coming to fight against Jerusalem. They're coming after the Lord himself. They're coming down there. Jesus is going to stand on the Mount of Olives across from Jerusalem, across the Kidron Valley. All of these factors are coming together as we look at these various scriptures. So where is this going to be fought and how? Well, God has already told us in so far in these prophetic words that he's going to gather the nations and the armies together. We're told in Revelation 16 where that gathering place is. The gathering place is Armageddon or Armageddon in the Megiddo Valley area, which is a very large valley and certainly would be accommodating for a large multitude of nations and armies to gather together there. The goal is that they're going against Jerusalem, like Zechariah 14 said, and they're going against the Lord himself, like Revelation tells us. There will be a campaign led from there as they come down to the Kidron Valley. Now, we do not know the duration of this campaign. We do not know exactly when they gather together. Apparently, it is toward the end of the tribulation. It may be within the last year, maybe be within the last few months. We do not know, but there will be a coalition of some kind gathering at Armageddon for an unknown period of time and from there launching their military campaign, leaving destruction in their wake as they come down to Jerusalem. They are coming down into the Kidron Valley area. Now, I want you to notice a few things because we've seen so far and we will see again. God is in control of all of this. Jesus has put it into their heart. The Lord has put it into their heart and told them they're going to gather in Armageddon and they're going to come down from there because God is in control ultimately. And they're headed for the, Jer- the Jerusalem area in the Kidron Valley to battle against Jerusalem and to battle against the Lord. And we read a few moments ago in some of those scriptures how they're going to have some degree of success. Part of the city of Jerusalem will be taken, etc. So this campaign is going to extend for a period of time. We have no idea how long that is, but it will fall in this latter half of the tribulation somewhere, I would assume, probably toward the end of that latter half. Notice, we've already talked about this briefly, but Jesus also will be returning near the end of this. He's going to be coming also at his second coming. And we talked about this when we discussed the flight to the wilderness and the alluring place, because God's purpose 
in sending the Jewish remnant to the wilderness is he's going to allure them there. He's going to work upon them a spirit and a, and a desire for repentance. And they're going to call upon the name of the Lord there. They're going to look upon him whom they have pierced. They're going to call out to God in distress and cry out for him. They're going to utter these words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is going to respond and he's going to come and he's going to wash away their sins. And we've been told that that place, at least in scripture, is called Basra. It may be the same as Petra today, but he's coming there. He's going to save the Jewish remnant. He's going to forgive them in that one day. And I believe the Jewish festival of the Day of Atonement is what will be fulfilled in that day. Whether it's on the scheduled Day of Atonement, according to our calendars today, we do not know. But it will fulfill the Feast of the Day of Atonement when the Lord comes and does that. I want to look at Zechariah chapter 3, and I want to read verses 8 through 10. This is a prophetic word about this. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous son. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. We know that's Jesus. It's already been proven in other passages, such as Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. Jesus is coming back. And one of the things he's going to do first when he comes back is he's going to forgive his people. He has been bringing them through this flight to the wilderness to a place of repentance. And he's going to come on this day of atonement that he is fulfilling and he's going to wash away their sins and remove all of their iniquities in that day because they've cried out to him and sought him for repentance then. And God's going to do that. He's going to save his people, fulfilling other prophecies. Then he is going to come up from Basra. Isaiah chapter 63 has already told us that. Who is he who comes up from Eden, who comes up from Basra with his, his robe bloody? Where We see that, his garment in blood, because he says, well, I'm he alone who has trodden the winepress of the Wrath of the Almighty God. We read that not too long ago in an earlier episode. So we know he's coming up from that Basra area. And he is coming with those blood-stained robes from that wine press, from trotting the wine press for this battle because he's having, he's dealing with these evil people once and for all. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their bowl of iniquity is completely full. Their wickedness is great, and it is time for God's vengeance. So the battle is going to be fought at the Kidron Valley, right in there in the Jerusalem area. And we're going to see that in these next scriptures that we will read. So what you have is you have the gathering place for the nations in Armageddon, and then they are coming down from there, to the Kidron Valley, Jerusalem area. God is bringing them. God is drawing them. They think it's their own doing. They think they're going to fight against Jerusalem, overtake it, and fight against the Lord himself. 
but God's going to show himself strong and defeat them. So they're coming down from Armageddon. They gathered there. They're coming down. Jesus has come to his people in the Basra area. At least it appears to me that this is a sequence. He's saving them. He's washing away their sins. And then he said earlier in one of the passages that we read, he's going to be the one when their strength is all gone and they call out to him. He's going to show them that he has been the one all along that has been their victor, and he's going to fight against their enemies and defeat them in that day. He's already told us that. So then they come up to Jerusalem from the Basra area, and he's going to then stand on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in two, making that valley that Zechariah prophesied about, and people are going to try to flee like roaches scatter, and they cannot get away from him. His sword will find them. His sword is sharp in the heart of his enemies. He's going to fight them. He's going to win. He's going to defeat them. So let's look at why it is in this Kidron Valley, Jerusalem area. Well, we've already seen one place so far in this message when we looked at Psalm 24, because he will be decreed then the king of glory, mighty in battle. He will have just defeated his enemies at the time that those doors are going to begin to open for him to come in as the king of glory. Praise be to God. I want to look at a few remaining scriptures here in Joel. In Joel chapter 2, I want to read verses 1 through 11 and then jump down to a few other verses. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. This is part of the effect that they have that we were talking about a moment earlier that they're coming and they're they're devouring as they come and before them it looks like a garden of eden but once they've come through there it's a desolate wilderness surely nothing shall escape them their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like swift steeds so they run with a noise like chariots over mountaintops they leap like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble like a strong people set in battle array Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great and strong, is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? This is a prophetic word about the Lord's return to fight against his enemies also. I would commend to you verses 18 through 27 as well where the Lord speaks of how the land is going to be restored after this. God's going to take care of that as well, and he's going to fight for them. 
And then in verses 30 through 32 of that same chapter in Joel, chapter 2. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So he's saying here about the restoration and the forgiveness of sins that's going to come to those remnant Jews who will call out to him in that day for their salvation. And he's speaking about this day of the battle of the Lord. Now I want to draw to a close by reading Joel chapter 3, because this is clear where it tells us where the battle is going to be fought. And when we connect it with all of these other scriptures that we've already looked at, we see that this is the actual battle site. Joel chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. They have cast lots for my people, have given a boy as payment for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Indeed, what have you to do with me? And then he goes on and he talks about Tyre and Sidon and all the coasts of Felicia. Will you retaliate against me? But if you retaliate against me swiftly and speedily, I will return your retaliation upon your own head because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temple my prized possessions. And the people of Judah and the people of Jerusalem, you have sold to the Greeks that you may remove them far from their borders. Behold, I will raise them out of the place to which you have sold them and will return your retaliation upon your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a people far off, for the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble and come, all you nations, and gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of this decision. The sun and moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then Jerusalem shall be holy and no aliens shall ever pass through her again. Hallelujah. God is promising here about his victory in that great day of battle of the Lord God Almighty, and he's telling us where the battle is going to be fought. He's drawing them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, 
And it is there that he's going to fight with them. And that is in the Kidron Valley. It is appropriate that it be there because the Kidron was where all the trash and all the idols, etc., the idolatry was dealt with in that valley. The idols and so forth were burned and done away with there. I'm not going to read these scriptures for the sake of time because I know we're late today and it's over, but I will point them out to you. Asa, one of the kings of Judah, did that in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 11 through 13. Josiah did it in 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 1 through 7 and verse 12. And Hezekiah did it in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 3 through 5 and in verses 10 through 11 and 16 of that same chapter of 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Hezekiah also did this in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verses 13 through 20. So the Kidron Valley, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, is the fitting place for Jesus to destroy his enemies who have blasphemed him, worshipped the devil, served and, and worshipped in idolatry, and led many astray. Jesus is the victor here. And notice how effective his victory will be. I want to close with this one final scripture. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 31, and it's verses 38 through 40. And it says this, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that the city shall be built for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. The surveyor's line shall again extend straight forward over the hill Gareb. Then it shall turn toward Goath and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook Kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy to the Lord." It shall not be plucked up or thrown down anymore forever. God will have his final victory. And this whole area, including the brook Kidron, is now going to be cleansed. Because all idolatry, all evil, all evildoers, and all enemies of the Lord God have now been dealt with in that valley. And now it's all going to be so effective that the entire area becomes holy to the Lord. Praise be to God. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join in for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.